0: nine times out of 10, and this is not legal advice, so quick disclaimer out there, whenever you do get in front of, whenever we have gotten in front of a government, um, whether it's for like an unemployment hearing or whatever the case may be, they say, okay, well, what does your policy say? What, what, what contract, quote unquote, did you have with your employee? Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on and how's everything going? This is episode 42 of While We Were Working, the weekly show that helps you lead people in a small business or a small team. As always, I'm Joy Price, founder of Jumpstart, and I'm with my awesome co-host, Summer Ketron, who's our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. And this week, we're going to talk about two topics that you need to know about One, we're tackling an article from NBC News about Apple's workers launching a petition about returning to office. And the last thing that we'll cover in our Consultants Corner is the Employee Handbook. When do you need it? How do you use it? What does it include? So we're going to do a a mini masterclass on employee handbooks. So you want to stick around because it's going to add value to your business. Summer, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful, Joey. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So we've got this article here for while we were working, um, published in NBC News. And the headline is, Apple Workers launch Petition Over Company's Reported Return to Office Plan. Should we as small business folks be concerned when one of the most influential companies in the world... Is getting pushback from their team about returning to work?
1: Uh, I say, oh, yes, because if you <laughs> think about Apple as a brand, it's pretty prestigious. I think if you were to ask um, a group of, you know, just workers in the tech space, hey, would you be stoked to take a job at Apple? I think most people would be pretty excited about it because they look up to the brand as, um, you know, as, as a great place to work. And so when I think about that as a whole and the fact that even they are seeing some resistance, um, as an employer of choice, I think we all need to be worried is what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I love articles like this and talking about them in the small business setting, because, it furthers my belief that whether people work at big companies or small companies, they're still human. And we all face the same concerns, we all have the same issues, whether we work at a large company or a small. And so with this one being the desire for work flexibility, that's not a big employer issue, it's not a small employer issue, it's not a midsize issue. It's a, it's a people issue, it's a humanities issue. And so um, I just wanna get off of my um, all the feels soapbox and we can go into the article, but, but I, I really do, I really do believe that, um, that, that we, we think that, oh, that's an Apple problem or a Google problem or you know, a Twitter problem or uh, a Walmart problem. But no, it's a, it's a human issue that we need to address. So, all right, catch us up on what's going on. What's the scenario here? I'm going to get off my soapbox a bit.
1: Well, um, it, it happened a little while back, uh, but there, um, there was essentially an announcement that came out that said, Hey, um, you know, we've essentially been out of the office for 2 years working, uh, working remote. And they were previously slated to have their team members come back already. But I think they, uh, they tried this once and realized that it was not being uh, embraced and supported well. And so they extended the working remote order. But now, they've said, Okay, starting September 5th, employees were expected to be in the office three days a week. And um, the details in there were that they said, Hey, uh, you need to be here on these two specific days. And then that third day is really up to you and your work team to determine what day is going to work best for everybody. So, I mean, seems pretty reasonable, right? I mean, they're not saying, Hey, you have to be back five days a week. And I think that when they created this plan, it was an attempt to meet in the middle, right? Because they mm-hmm. knew saying come back 5 days a week was not going to work.
0: <laughs> and on top of that, uh didn't Apple just build like this massive 2 billion dollar campus? So they're going to want people to show up.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it is a sight to see. I mean, no expense was spared, but you know, I it's important to note a few things that employees are, are saying, listen, Apple, we've been working from home for two years. And oh, by the way, we've had the most profitable two years uh, in history. So like, why is there a problem with having us continue to work from home? And And that's the crazy (laughs) part for me. Right? And so um, a petition is now circulating and gaining signatures, pushing back against Apple's return to work plan. And uh, I think it's, it's difficult to look at this if you're an Apple employee, because you see other tech giants like Facebook and Twitter saying, hey, employees, uh, you can work from home long term, like indefinitely. And so I think, um, employees are quite unhappy about this. and the fact that it's got to um like like a petition standpoint is uh, it is actually quite frightening as an HR professional. And so I'm curious, um, like what do you think about this requirement, Joey?
0: The requirement to go in a couple days. Uh, you know, I, I I'm conflicted because on one hand, I know that, uh, when you when you do deal with uh, an employee population, that's a large group of people, uh, and and likely you know d- a different. You might have a thousand people in your finance and accounting. You might have a thousand engineers. You might have a thousand um, you know folks in, in in marketing or or even human resources. And so you want to make policy that's like at the macro level, right? So like that that benefits or that applies to everyone. But I would I would argue and imagine that if they drill down into even the different departments, maybe, you know, folks don't need to be there three days a week, they could be there two or one, and you could just maximize that one day for meetings or brainstorming or whatever the case may be. Um, so I, I have a natural tendency to lean towards, um What's been working, and it seems that uh, this remote work has been working for them and to think that companies have been having record profits when our our international economics have been like in pretty bad shape, that should show you that you know you could you could probably keep this up for a while and your company would benefit
1: yes I've been trying to think of many of the Scenarios, and I'm sure that you know folks at Apple um, probably have built an app for this already. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> but um, you know, I think about what if a ma- the majority of their workforce left, right as the result of this. If Apple stood their ground, and let's just say they lost half of their workforce over it, you know, I started thinking, okay, well, from you know the Enormous expense of having to like recruit and train. Is Apple a big enough brand to say, okay, if you don't want to be here, then you don't need to be because we've got a line of people out the door who are willing to come into the office and perform your work? You know, just things along those lines that I'm like, gosh, I mean, there's so many possibilities, but what if that was a position that they were prepared to take?
0: Well, I think that. Um, if people were to exit, if there was a mass exodus, you also lose your institutional knowledge and culture. And so, you know, you may be hiring people who are suitably qualified to do the work that you're doing uh, and the mission that you're out to accomplish, but you lose the historical value of, I don't know, the person who assembled iPhone 14 is no longer there to assemble iPhone 15, right? And so um, it, it would be m- even more difficult to to grow if you just cleaned house and said, hey, um, we want only people who want to come into the office.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a tough position. And I don't think that there's any easy answer because as you indicated, the institutional knowledge is huge. And that's Um, an enormous expense to even try to get back to, you know, the state of where a mass exodus of team members left. But you also talk about culture. And, you know, there's also a part of me that says, Okay, well, our team members who are willing to launch a petition really in acting in the best interest of company culture as it exists? Or are they attempting to create their own? So I'm not saying that, like, it's right or wrong. But, you know, I think about being an HR professional. And if there was any sort of petition within a company launch who said, We don't like this. Like, we, um, we are standing firmly. And this is what we're asking for. Um, that tells me there's, like, underlying issues with the culture as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, whether those the folks those are the folks you want or need to stay. It's kind of a question I think, uh, you know, each leadership team has to ask and evaluate on a case-by-case basis.
0: Yep. And, you know, it, when you talk about culture, individuals contribute to that, but also uh, managers and leaders do too. And so you have to be honest with what role you play in that Regardless of where you fall on the org chart.
1: You know, how like, you know, you know, the United States has certain policies that say, like, we don't negotiate for certain things. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes me think about what the risk could be. If, say, workers realize that this tactic works, and now they're going to go after something else. I don't know about you. But we had a conversation about unions forming at Starbucks lately with unhappy employees. And I honestly I can't help but think about like like a baby step mm-hmm. in that direction. And yep. so it's definitely going to be a tough negotiation.
0: We're in we're in interesting times um across the board with regard to employment, um, what it means to work, how uh, we define um, a good workplace culture. What limits we set as um, what limits we set around what we are willing and not willing to compromise on as an individual, and then you know individuals become groups, and groups vote, and groups become unions, and so um, it's just an interesting time, very very interesting time. Um, like you said earlier, companies with with major profit. Uh starting to come under fire for um, not treating their employees as as well as they could and I think it's 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 tough it's tough
1: it is tough and I think the the takeaways from this article for me and you know small business owners are truly to keep your finger on the pulse of your culture and your team member needs and I do think there's a difference between certain jobs that Do require, um, and it's necessary to be in person for either all or part of it. And those we understand are different. But if it's the type of work that can be performed remotely, and your team members are asking for that, and in this case have even proven that they're capable of doing it with tremendous success, I think you're going to be at a real disadvantage if you're an employer and you're not offering versus a competitor who is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So so let's, um, let's go ahead and transition here into Consultant's Corner. Consultant's Corner is our weekly uh, insight from the trenches of topics that we're seeing, uh, questions that our customers are asking, and even questions that you might have in our audience. And if you're listening and you have a question for us to tackle on the show, Reach out at hello at jumpstart-hr.com and that will be the best place to get in contact with us about getting a question or issue uh, discussed on our show. This week, we are tackling uh, the good old employee handbook. Why do you need one? What should it include? And what are the best practices? So Summer, uh, what... First of all, what's an employee handbook?
1: Oh gosh, well, um, I, I, I kind of chuckle simply because um, I can't tell you how many conversations I have about this on a regular basis, and you know it's totally okay. We recognize that businesses are at different levels of their um, of their growth, uh, but I think. Discovering that there are uh, many small businesses that just aren't even familiar with the basics and/or why they're necessary, told me this would be a great topic to discuss. And if you know what an employee handbook is, um, great. We hope that you'll stick around because uh, we are going to share some nuggets. Um, Might be new to you, but an, an employee handbook is an absolutely essential part of your HR toolkit, and. In short, it is an overview of all of your company um, rules that you're expecting your team members to follow. So, in most cases, they aren't full policies, it's just an O. And I've seen employee handbooks that are short and concise, and they leave a lot of room for the company to have flexibility with how they administer um their rules per se and then i've also seen them you know 75 plus pages so that's probably the the shortest overview that i can do of an employee handbook um but as you can imagine not having one of these can be quite dangerous
0: yeah because it's it's dangerous because and we we talked about this somewhat in an earlier episode um when the government says that something's important you have a duty to treat it important and make sure that you understand what it means for your business Um, so imagine having a company and not abiding by rules that you don't know exist Uh, what is it saying ignorance is no excuse for the law so you have to make sure that you are uh, aware of the rules in your jurisdiction and if you have folks across multiple locations. You have to make sure you know what's going on in in those locations too, because you, um, are liable and responsible for, for those locations. Um, so yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say like, why do companies need one? It's, it's really to set, manage and hold employees accountable to expectations. And, you know, internally, from an HR standpoint, it serves as our go-to for any technical questions. So if a team member says, say, for example, um, you know, how many vacation days do I accrue after I've been here for 5 years? Well, if a company has a different rate than what they earned upon hire, then it should be documented in there. Um, That's just one example. You know, there's so many different topics that are addressed similar to that in an employee handbook. And again, you know, you flip through it, you find the table of contents by topic, and you go to that section. And again, it's to set expectations with your team, because they should be reviewing and signing and acknowledging this upon hire. Referring them back to it over the course of their employment, and then it's also that internal tool for the HR team and leaders when employees ask questions that we're all on the same page. But if that wasn't enough reason for why you should need one, Joey, did you know that the employee handbook is one of the top five most requested documents in HR lawsuits?
0: I believe it. I believe it, and I'd 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 imagine it's it's probably like number one because. I think about any time that we've been asked to, um, by client, like, hey, we're doing something and we're not sure if uh, if if this is the right call to make, whether it be a, a termination or a, a PIP, or usually it's something where you start getting those feelers, like maybe legal um, should be involved. And the first thing that I'll say is, all right, well, what does your handbook say? Um, because, Nine times out of 10, and this is not legal advice, so quick disclaimer out there. Whenever you do get in front of, whenever we have gotten in front of a government, um, whether it's for like an unemployment hearing or whatever the case may be, they say, okay, well, what does your policy say? What, what, what contract, quote unquote, did you have with your employee? What um, expectations did that employee have? what did they know that they were responsible for what did you know that you were responsible for and so the handbook kind of um it's supposed to cover all of those things but um you know failing to have it can can get you in a lot of trouble
1: it absolutely can and and most of the time when i've referred to an employee handbook besides just for some like general like reference of like a technical Question, it has been um, in regards to team members who are um, about to be documented or terminated for violating a company policy. And um, oftentimes those are, you know, behavioral standards and expectations. And so, to your point, if you're going to separate a team member for, say, falsifying their time records, And they've signed the handbook, like, and in the handbook, they're acknowledging that they understand that um, what the definition of card falsification is, and what, and that it would constitute. Then when it comes time to separate them, then you have the basis to do it because that expectation was set and documented up front. So then bringing it full circle, Right If it did result in an unemployment claim or some other um you know formal legal complaint, then like everything's there, it's laid out, right? The employee knew they acknowledged it, they broke the rule, they lost their job. they knew that up front
0: yeah and and we see this in um one place that we see it a lot is when you're hiring someone and they may be in that like you you call it a probationary period, um, but your employee or your new hire may not know that's a probationary period. And something's not working, something's not clicking, and you want to decide what to do next, right? You may want to go ahead and terminate the person, but if this person, if it wasn't communicated to them that it's a probationary period, they're subject to evaluation, yada, 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 then you can start to get cold feet about making that call, which ultimately turns into, um, we'll keep them around, which ultimately turns into, well, we can't fire them now, which ultimately turns into, <laughs> they have destroyed your work <laughs> culture. So <laughs> Right, right.
1: So, yeah. yeah. I, that's, you know, I appreciate you sharing that story because I I see so much value in employee handbooks. I should say, amazing employee handbooks. And the reason I make that comment is because, um, I'm sure you've seen it, there's a handful of just like download and go templates that are advertised for next to nothing. Uh, And I would say uh, you should never utilize an employee handbook template without any sort of expert review, preferably legal review, because if this is what is If this is the document that's going to help or hinder your organization when it's pulled into a lawsuit, you you don't want to find out that there's problematic language in it at that time. Uh, Some of the best practices uh, that I'd suggest in addition to having that expert review is um, for multi-state employers, and that is build your main handbook around Your headquarters, or where you have the largest employees represented, and then add in um, specific language underneath those sections where there may be a variable for different states. So, for example, sick time in your state, there may be one policy, but maybe you have employees in another state where there's um, a different sick time requirement. So, if you have a different policy for that, if you haven't adopted the most stringent as a whole, then you just want to list where there are differences for those states that you work in. and then um, two more items and Joe, if you have some, um, that would be cool to hear as well. I definitely recommend employee handbook item. make sure your team members have time to review it and ask questions. And to note that the employee handbook is also an amazing place to put at the very end. A lot of those compliance notices and requirements that companies have the obligation to to the hands of their team members because it's really difficult for them to say they didn't get it if they signed off on the employee handbook and it's in there.
0: Yep. Yep. That's the that's the main thing I was going to say is that. Make sure that you give people a place to sign and then that you actually get their signature and that you store it someplace because that's what will um, come back to haunt you later is if you don't get that signature because then um, an employee might say, oh, well, I didn't see it. And you could say, well, we sent it in an email and they might say, oh, well, I never opened it. I never saw it. Um, <laughs> So whether it's a physical signature or electronic signature, make sure that um, you you get it signed.
1: Joey, before we go, what are your thoughts on how frequently companies should be revisiting their handbooks for making updates?
0: I think handbooks should undergo a hard refresh every two years and you should be looking at policy every six months. Because laws change at the state, federal, and regional level all the time. I mean, think about the laws that change just um because of COVID. Um, and, and think of some of the laws that change just because there's a new administration in in government, whatever that looks like federal, state, local. Um, so I'd say every six months you should be taking a look at Hey, is there anything significant that we need to be modifying based on the law um, and also based on our company culture and what we ascribe to? And then the other piece of that is, um, you know, like every two years, just making sure that you you refresh it and that you even use that as a training opportunity for folks to get to know their handbook, get to know their company a little better.
1: Mm -hmm. Wonderful advice. And if you're listening to the show and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have a handbook and I need one or I have one, but I think it needs some updates, then uh, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to have a conversation on how we might be able to help you accomplish that project. Handbooks is one of the most common items that we help our clients with, and we'd love to extend that help to you.
0: That's right. That's right. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of while We Were Working, uh, go ahead and, and make sure you subscribe and share with your friends and give a five-star review, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, everyone.
0: For more game-changing HR and leadership insights, check out whilewewereworking.com